Hi guys, welcome back to Glee Boot. This is Colin. This is Hannah. And this is Alyssa. So last week we watched the first few episodes of Glee and we learned that Will Schuster is terrible and this should be more about Rachel and Finn. And that's what you missed on Glee Boot. We just watched season one, episode three and four called Aquafellas and Preggers respectively. And one was pretty good, and one uh, scarred me in ways that will never heal. <laughs> Did not like either of the episodes. But yes, one scarred me way more than the other, and that is Akafellas. I had to tell a Dutch tourist that I was hanging out with yesterday that I have a Glee podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow, our first Dutch listener. <laughs> Our comments from uh, viewers include, uh, Will is just the worst. He's, this is a paraphrase. Wait, we have comments? Yeah, people have told me, texted me comments. Oh, but we don't actually have comments. Comments, yeah, people have texted me. What Caitlin said, we'll start with her. Uh, she said, OMG, I forgot there was a blonde Christian cheerleader in Glee. I got her mixed up with the one in Secret Life of the American Teenager. Okay, that's fair. That's the iconic line, uh, my dad died a horrible death because I had incredible sex. Real line that was written and put on television. Wait, wait, what? How? <laughs> that was a line in Secret Life of the American Teenager. Wow, I only watched like three episodes of that show and I must have missed that gem. I feel like that has to be our next hate watch. Christina texted me that, from what, this is about Will. From Christina. From what I remember, he's really wrapped up in himself and is like trying to live through the kids or at least using them to build his own confidence. Maybe he deserves Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone deserves Terry. I mean, let's be honest. Does Terry even deserve Terry? I mean, her life must have been awful. Look at her sister. Yeah. I have a question about her sister, and I asked it while we were watching it, but I don't know if you guys heard me, but I was like, why does Kendra have a southern accent and Terry doesn't? Because one of them tried really hard to either get rid of it or get it. Well, honestly, it's not that hard to pick up an accent. I just, it's uncomfortable. Everything about the show is uncomfortable. <laughs> So, diving into the, to the plate of hot garbage that is Akafellas, I kind of like divided it up into a few different plot lines. Plot line number one being uh, Will is trash. Uh-huh. Uh, that, co that cover of Poison with him in that hat. Oh my goodness, the hat. <laughs> the hat. Okay, just for a little bit of background on me personally, this is Alyssa speaking. I have a terrible memory. So we watched this like last week, Acapellas. We watched I it like two days it. ago. Wait. <laughs> yeah, it was Thursday. <laughs> See? <laughs> terrible memory. Um, so I may be just remembering things that happened the entire podcast uh so that's a little background on me also i've had three shots of tequila which i did not realize i put that much in the glass so yeah ready to go yeah Alyssa had a tequila sunrise it's 
I, th- I think that's what it's called, or it's okay. peel and orange juice. I had what I'm calling a Kalissa. Uh, it's where we mix freeze pops and tequila in a blender. <laughs> it's an instant frozen margarita. Pretty good. And Hannah had nothing. I didn't even have water. Lame, Hannah. I don't have alcohol in my house right now, which is rare, but it's because I drank it all. So Will is trash, and what happens is someone, the woodshop teacher loses his thumb. That was the best scene. I love that scene. It was so great. Make a, a cake with his thumb, with thumbs, two thumbs up, and they sing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow, and they harmonize, and they start an acapella boy band. I don't care about the boy band. I don't care about them harmonizing. I just love the cake with the two thumbs up. Whoever wrote that has a seriously dark sense of humor. It really appeals to me. Well, that person is Ryan Murphy, and he does not appeal to me. (laughs) No, well, that specific thing appeals to me. Well, absolutely. Like, so I think the thing that really got me about that was that I just suddenly remembered that was the reason Will was like, oh my god, guys, you should start an acapella boy band. And then I was, like, screaming about it because it made me upset. I have, like, just like watching season one of Smash with Cullen, I was like, you know what? I don't remember it being that bad. And I am, again, eating my words because season one, part one of Glee is worse than I remember. I'm enjoying it. Not acapellas, but the rest of it. <laughs> okay, can we just talk about like how the entire episode was just about men's confidence issues? It was Ryan oh, Murphy's take on masculinity. I like literally. I want to sit down and look at this episode and count up the minutes that a female was actually in any of the scenes. That's yeah, I'm gonna say. It probably does not pass the Bechdel test. I hope you guys understand me as a man more after seeing Acapellas. It was kind of like men's confidence equaled women fawning and worshipping them. It was so weird. Yeah. Do you feel that way, Cullen? Yeah, when when I'm confident. It's when we're worshipping you. Yeah. You're just accessories to my confidence yeah i feel that way all the time (laughs) like what man am i gonna be an accessory to today (laughs) exactly i love being like your hip purse what do they call like the male purses that go across your chest instead of the fanny pack a satchel is it a satchel men are wearing fanny packs around like their chest like over the shoulder but it's like tight against their chest and i'm like why don't you just wear it like God intended? Did God intend fanny packs? Are we going to talk about that? <laughs> Maybe accidentally. <laughs> uh, so this main plot of Will being trash and learning about his masculinity uh, featured um, a return of pedophile character, mm-hmm. Andy Ryerson, who is stalking Josh Groban. Oh my god. So that is actually one of my favorite lines in the show is 
who is Josh Groban? Kill yourself. Ultimately, one of my favorites. Too bad yeah. it comes from a pedophile. <laughs> and then Josh Groban himself appears. And is that actually? It's not. That was never. Josh. That was Josh Groban. That was actual Josh Groban, and he's a runner throughout the show. Crazy. And he hit on Will's alcoholic mom. Oh, that. Oh. Gross <laughs> <laughs> men. How dare you ruin American sweetheart Josh Groban like that? How did, why did he agree to that? Just as himself, playing himself. I don't know. I feel like he probably has a dark sense of humor. Yeah, he might. He's seeing such wholesome stuff, though. I'm like, that doesn't agree with my sense of your voice. I know, right? He has the voice of an angel, but the mind of a devil. <laughs> so, basically, the plot of the acapella thing was Will immediately ditching the Glee Club the moment he got a shot of being famous. Because he wanted to have the guts to prove that he was a real man and go after his dreams. And be a good father. I don't know if being a good father actually came into at all well there was a whole thing with his dad yeah i mean that was it like wasn't really it was there but it wasn't followed up on like why would you be proud of your dad for quitting a job that pays him to sing on stage with other men that might not pay you why is that like a symbol of being a good dad I don't think people, uh, the people who write Glee, there's a lot of themes of fatherhood, but I don't think they understand what fatherhood is. <laughs> or they don't understand how themes work. <laughs> you have to look this up and see if any of the writers are actually fathers. We do one, he's married to Gwyneth Paltrow now. Yeah, that's fucking bananas. I mean, honestly, I'm happy for them, but that's so crazy. That plot just reinforced that, that Will was terrible. Um, and abandoned his kids because Rachel said, I don't like these dance moves once. Yeah, so Rachel complaining is definitely a runner in, like, the entire show, but as early as the show is right now, like, that episode is like, oh, God, here she goes again, but I don't know if, like, we know that about her yet, so kind of just, like, we're punishing Rachel for off-camera stuff. Yeah, there seem to be a lot of things that happen off camera, honestly. Like, they'll just talk about things that happened that we didn't see or watch happen. And they seem really important in these moments that we are seeing. Yes. <laughs> We're like, I would have liked to have seen that. That would have helped. We also had the moment of Will teaching Puck and Finn, the underage boys who join his acapella group to sing I Want to Sex You Up. Um, with the pedophile. With the pedophile. <laughs> Well, he doesn't want to sex them up with a pedophile. The pedophile is in the group. Let's clarify that. We need to insert the commas in the correct areas of that sentence. Yeah. But he's teaching them to dance, and he's like, oh, it's just like baseball. But what's funny is, like, Finn is still bad at dancing after the baseball trick. Oh, Frankenteen for sure. Frankenteen. But Puck is good at dancing, and I hate him, so... <laughs> there's no there's no goodness in the world. 
So the main plot of Acapellas is just most, it's why it's so bad is most of it is devoted to Will. And uh, what isn't as bad and could have been a focus of a much more interesting episode is Rachel's plot. Which is about total, I want to say like four minutes. Four minutes. But Maybe. She, but she calls Finn out on not being confident when she's like with your cliche blonde girlfriend. He's like, cliche, is that a bad thing? Where she's like, oh, you're top of the school, but you have no confidence, and I'm the bottom of the barrel, and I have confidence. And I was like, okay, I don't know where that went, but... Well, at the very end of the episode, they were going to hire... I remember, okay, they were going to hire the the dance coach because Shu left to do the group. Yeah. And then the dance coach was, like, horrible, and so she does this little speech about how they don't need him because they're going to win because they're all special, and how... Like, she basically accepts herself for who she is and is confident in herself. Which is so ironic because the entire episode is talking about men confidence and then Rachel is the one that brings it to a head at the very end. Kind of strange. All right. Hey, you want to hear a fun fact? What? I'm on IMDb and Acapellas has the worst rating out of all of the episodes. It has an 8.1. Oh, that's so surprising. (laughs) I actually totally forgot about the dance coach and stuff. Like, that's how much, that's how little it takes up that episode and how little of an impact it had on me, where I'm just thinking about Matthew Morrison swaying his hips and telling children to swing their hips and swing their bats. I have a question. Did you say 8.1? Yeah, out of 10. And that's the lowest rating? Yes, season one has a really high rating. And like, I don't know why, because I don't know. All of these votes are probably really old from when it like first came out. But I'm also like trying not to scroll down too far because like I'm seeing some of these screenshots and just remembering things. (laughs) So I'm going to stay at the top of the screen. Maybe if we just span the page with a bunch of one-star reviews, we can bring it down. Oh my god, that'd be great. Let's let's definitely spend a whole day doing that. <laughs> just so Acapellas has what it deserves, which is a no rating. So, did we find out that Terry wasn't actually pregnant in Acapellas, or was that the episode before? That was uh, last podcast. That was the second episode. Okay, so basically, Terry in this episode is still... Oh yeah, that's right, because it opens on them telling his parents and her being like, oh, I thought we weren't going to tell anybody, and now she's dug in even deeper. Yeah. I think, like, Terry also has um, what I think is actually a really interesting idea is that she clearly sees that Emma has a thing for Will and all of the shows they go to because Emma's boyfriend, Ken Tanaka, coach of the worst football team in Ohio, is also part of Acapella's. And I think that's a really interesting idea that, like, she can clearly see something going on. But again, it's like, we're so focused on the men that anything interesting about the women gets under the rug. Yeah. The scene, though, with the dance instructor, I want to get back to that in that that scene was peak glee because he says a bunch of really offensive things to them. And they're like, it's okay because he's the bad character. And then they all come with very, like, after-school special responses as to, like, why they love themselves. 
And then Rachel is like, okay, she does her speech. And then she has uh, my favorite line, which I thought was a very Alyssa line. The, and I'm taller than you. <laughs> so that's like, I think that was very recognizable as the Glee. Because it's like kind of an after school special, but also like trying to be edgy. Yeah. And like also in like the one we just watched, Preggers, there's some interesting language and references in it as well but like that's something that I think I just forgot about Glee is that Ryan Murphy is sort of like Tarantino in the fact that he will use like blatantly offensive things in his writing just to get a rise out of people just to make people uncomfortable or make them laugh but like I don't know how do you guys how did you guys feel about all of that like really offensive stuff from the dancer guy I was mad, but also the fact that it's coming from this little character, literally little, who obviously is, like, not okay with himself, somehow makes it slightly better, because you know that he's a bully. Mm-hmm. It's not better, it just makes it, like, easier to stomach, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree with that. I guess, like... When it's being used by characters who we're supposed to like, it makes it a lot harder to digest. I get why he does it, because sometimes those lines are kind of funny, especially when it's a bad person saying them, like, oh, look how terrible this person is. They're so offensive. I mean, that's like half of what SNL does with its, like, Trump jokes and stuff, like, just makes jokes about how offensive what he says is, or, like, with other people in his cabinet, just, like, they just play up the offensiveness, which is what Glee is doing. And I think people call Glee out on it more than other shows. But I yeah. think the problem with Glee is they rely on it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people notice it. Well, I've only seen four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're getting a pretty healthy dose already. Yeah. So, I mean, do we have anything else we want to say about acapellas? Um, in that episode, it's very clearly... Like, even still, it's still very clearly about Will Schuster. And I still do not give a fuck about him. And I just want more of Rachel and the Glee Club. Like, I, I'm i so waiting for, like, season two stuff where it's more about the kids. I forgot something very important that happened in this episode. Oh, my God. The cheerleaders egging Mercedes on. <gasps> Kurt. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about that. This is actually, like, something that I think you said about Finn going, like, oh, cliche, is that a bad thing? As if he doesn't know what that word is. Like, sometimes Glee makes these characters so stupid or oblivious to things for the sake of awkwardness and comedy. But, like... Honestly, Mercedes slayed that number, but the whole storyline was just bananas. Yeah, the number she is referring to is, I bust your windows through your car. Is that the name of the song? I bust the windows out your out car. Your, out your car. <laughs> I bust the windows through your car. I'm like, that doesn't make sense, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, because they're at a car wash, and she's like, Kurt, like, let's date and be official. And he's like, I like someone else, and it glances over, he's looking at Finn, and then Rachel, like, 
stands up and she's in between them and she thinks he means Rachel. He's like, yes, I love Rachel. So she throws a rock through his car's windshield and then it cuts to the stage and all the cheerleaders in her sing. And it's, I mean, it's a good number. It's definitely peak bananas glee. (laughs) So two things. Before this whole thing goes down, Rachel and Tina stop Mercedes in the middle of going to classes that they are not scheduled for. Classes don't exist in this school. (laughs) And they're like, hey, so we just want to, like, have you lower your expectations because Kurt is clearly gay. And Mercedes, I think, makes a good point. She's like, you know what? He likes me. I like him. Like, we're just going to, like, see how it goes. But, like, after that, then this whole stuff happens. My second point, those cheerleaders who are, like, obviously they're in their 20s, but character-wise, they're, like, 17 and under, and they're all, like, in really scantily clad bikinis, and I was uncomfortable. The car wash scene was uncomfortable. And did you guys notice, like, the really impatient guy trying to get his car washed? Like, that was, that was gross. I was, I was grossed out. I did not like that. Wait, what happened with him? So there's like a line for the car wash and this guy leans out his window and he like is waving in like road rage type of voice is like, hey, hurry up so he can get to these high school girls in bikinis faster. What a keen eye. I was totally distracted by the crazy plot line and the scantily clad cheerleaders. I was very uncomfortable. Wow, what a good pick. There's also a line in that scene where Sue calls Emma, like, Emily or something. Alma. Alma. (laughs) It's touching how you use your mental illness to help these children, and it's like, (laughs) Sometimes Sue is really funny, and then sometimes she's like, oh, that's a bit much. But, yeah, I thought that one was kind of funny. I have to admit it made me laugh, probably for the worst. (laughs) I know, it did make me laugh, even though it is bad. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even think I have anything else to say about acapellas, except, like, I texted you, Cullen, and I was like, I woke up singing Poison, the acapella version, in my head, and all I could think of was the sheets and things guy. I was just zooming in on his mouth as he said acapellas. And Colin unfortunately told me that he is real and it will hurt us. <laughs> There's nothing we can do to stop him. But yeah, I would definitely give that like a 0.5 slushies out of five slushies. And it's grape flavored. <laughs> it's grape flavored. Some people like grape, Colin. Okay, Grape medicine flavored. All right, I deal with that. But if we're going there, then it better be cherry. Cherry medicine flavored. Oh, yeah, cherry medicine's the worst. It's made with Pepto-Bismol. Yeah. All right, so Agafellas, how many slushies would you guys give it? No slushies. A pretend slushie. Oh, no, no. When you go to get a slushie... And the selection machine is fucking broke, so it's all just water. Oh, oh gross. That's the worst. That's yeah. I mean. That's a good one. 
Yeah, I gave it 0.5 because, I mean, they put in work to make it happen, so I guess they should deserve that question mark. What do you say to taking our chances with preggers? Oh, wow. Nailed it. <laughs> that song is a fucking banger. <laughs> and honestly, all of my choir auditions in high school were based off of Rachel Berry's movement, so I will admit that. <laughs> it was. She slayed that cover. It was great. Oh. All right, all right, Colin, tell us what Preggers was about. Preggers, I've already forgotten. <laughs> Preggers is a little more nuanced of an episode in that there's a lot more plot lines happening. What I have is we have the main plot line, or the most interesting one, is Kurt um, trying to impress his father and joining the football team. As he, I'm Kurt Hummel. I'm auditioning for the role of kicker, which I will admit to calling my soccer practices and fencing practices rehearsals. <laughs> Gotta go to rehearsal. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. That was something that I was confused at. I was like, are they purposely trying to make Kurt seem really stupid? Or is this like a logical thing? I actually could not tell. And I'm so glad that you said that. It's, it's logical. I'm just here to prove that the dumbness of Big Weekend is real. <laughs> Not the dumbness, just the unawareness. We'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yes. Um, we have a, a sort of a will plot. He doesn't want the pedophile back in the school, which, I mean, can't blame him. And he wants Tina to have the tonight solo which tina is great and it's like the one first good thing i've seen him do as blue club teacher <laughs> and there's also a scene with terry wanting to tell him that the baby's fake and her sister is like no you need mm. to keep lying to him pretending that it's a real baby and we'll kidnap a baby which that's a choice um <laughs> and then the will plot ties into rachel who sue who now is on local the local news. She has a local news spot. Sue's um, Corner. Sue's Corner. Sue and the pedophile, Sandy, team up to put on this musical cabaret and steal Rachel away because she's upset that she doesn't get every solo because she thinks the role of Maria, a Puerto Rican character, belongs to her because the woman who played her in the movie is Jewish. They're going to do West Side Story later on in the show, and we'll talk about that then. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the other big plot line, and kind of a big plot line for the whole first season, is the Finn-Puck-Quinn love triangle, where Quinn is now pregnant, and she tells Finn he's the father, but Puck thinks he is the father. There's tension. And meanwhile, there's, Finn thinks that what will get make him a good father Again, Glee does not understand what fatherhood is. <laughs> is when, if the football team wins a game, which they do with the help of Kurt's single ladies, Beyonce routine, and Will helps teach it to them because Will thinks helping Finn is how he'll learn to be a good father, which is a little better than starting an all-male acapella group. Like, For sure. I get the connection a little more there. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So let's talk about our, our Kurt football plot line. Honestly, I kind of still loved it. I remember really liking it in high school. And I think it really was 
down to the fact that like it was kind of fun to watch those guys dance to Beyonce and the fact that it was something different that actually paid off. It felt like a, a fun success for both Glee and the football team. It was really fun to watch, I think. And I love that Kurt was actually good at football. Yes. Yeah. Be good at more than one thing. It's it's great. It's fine. And but can I please just point out that they did the entire Beyonce routine and the play in one second? Right. Okay, so my thing was like, yeah, that clock might not be running, but like the clock of like getting on the line and making your play is still running, which is probably different from like the regular clock. So like they were definitely wasting time. It just not logical, <laughs> fun, but not logical. Yeah. Football timing has always baffled me. Like <laughs> how you keep track of time in football. I, all other sports to me are much easier to grasp. Football is so confusing in its rules. I learned all of my football rules from an anime, so that shows you how much <laughs> I know. I used to think up until I was like, I don't know, 16, that like the line that would happen on TV every time where they had, you know, whatever the line is called, I thought they physically painted that yellow line every single time they moved. <laughs> But really, it was just a graphic on TV, and they had a stick that they use in real life. So I felt really stupid. So we all know about nothing. Pretty <laughs> <Yeah. So> much. <laughs> That's to show our qualifications about talking about football. So let's get back to dancing. I, I want to point out this fun fact that uh, Heather Morris, who plays Brittany, was a backup dancer for Beyonce on tour. So she was brought on to teach the single ladies dance, and then she got a role on the show yep i love that fun fact and honestly every time i watch a number with her like i'm only focusing on her dancing because she's so good she's so good i also the blonde cheerleader who's not quinn not pregnant have i even seen her yeah yeah she taught them she was in the ladies um the uh, the dance that kurt was doing at the very beginning in the in the unitard because yeah. right, right, right. Okay. the episode opens with them dancing to single ladies it is kurt tina and Brittany. and i'm like in what world are these three characters getting together to do the single ladies dance in kurt's basement I here's just... what happened it was something very like season four britney that went down off camera but they're still putting like this version of Britney out there. That's what happened. She was off camera again. Yeah. I want to see that in our, in, in our Glee boot, when we reboot Glee, we will have the conversation between whatever characters, if we keep the same ones or whatever, about let's go do the single ladies dance in the basement and explain <laughs> why they're getting this cheerleader who normally wouldn't hang out with them. You're going to have this. all these off camera scenes are actually going to be on camera. It's going to be great. Yeah, I I think one of the other things I really like about the whole Kurt thing is his relationship with his dad. It's like the first time we're seeing it now. It's kind of odd with like the car thing from the episode previous where Kurt was like, yeah, my dad got me this so I would, would stop wearing tight-fitting sweaters that hit just above the knee. Like, it feels like a literally a different dad. 
considering also like what I know about him in the future. But yeah. I loved meeting him in this episode. Yeah, like honestly, he seemed pretty intimidating when you first meet him because he doesn't say anything. He just walks in and then all of a sudden Kurt's totally terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be completely fair, like I'm not really sure what he's terrified of because he seems like a pretty okay dad from this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I liked his whole kind of, it was kind of a fake out that they were, they were painting him as scary. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, okay. And then Tina and Brittany both come up with the worst lie ever that Kurt's on the football team. And his dad's like, okay, get me a ticket to your game. And he goes and he's like disappointed at first. And then Kurt scores like the game winning kick. And he has this great reaction where he's like grabbing everyone next to him. I actually got chills. Like, I thought that was so sweet. It was a great moment. It was a great dad moment. Glee understood what a dad was for this. <laughs> <laughs> for the first time ever. My dad was watching my brother play hockey once. He, like, full-on pushed accidentally, like, because he, like, would follow the puck up and down, like, the bleacher as he was sitting. And he, like, kept following the puck, and he, like, knocked my sister off the bleacher. <laughs> he was so into it. So that that felt real, and the, it was really emotional when Kurt finally came out to his dad. Yeah. It was. It was very emotional. Another moment that felt real to me was when his dad is walking away, away right after Kurt tells him that he's gay, and then he just stops and he turns around and he's like, are you sure? That felt very real to me. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people would just be like, yeah, I'm just making sure, but... You're sure you're gay, right? Yeah, no, I think I totally forgot that he was supposed to actually be really intimidating. Because I didn't actually feel that way. But I honestly think it's just because of, like, I've seen how his character progresses. But, like, it's good to know that he still came off that way. Because I'm sure that was the intent that they wanted. Like, it was a very similar conversation of, like, what I had with my parents. Like, both of them when I was, like, yeah, like, I'm queer. And so it was kind of like the same thing. Like, I'm going to love you the same. It doesn't matter to me. And I'm pretty sure one of my parents probably said that exact thing. Like, are you sure? Or so, yeah, definitely very real. It's supposed to be a button line, but at the same time, nailed it. Yeah. They definitely nailed that whole arc, that scene. It felt like a realistic time for Kurt to come out. He wasn't just doing it to be dramatic. It wasn't like... This over-dramatized thing. It was this very real father-son interaction. And honestly, like, that was, like, the main plot line slash most interesting. And I think because it actually spent more time on screen than other kids' stories in previous episodes, I actually ended up really liking this episode. Okay, so you guys remember me telling you that I can never remember anything. And I've already seen the first season of Glee. This is the only episode I remember. It is a it is a good it's a good episode. There was again there's still the scenes that happen off screen like when Finn's like you can't do your use your music. We did that behind closed doors in practice, but now you're doing that on the field and we're like what practice? <laughs> when did this happen? And then uh there the football team wins and it's it's exciting and some of them join the glee club. We meet, we get three new members. One is worst human ever, Puck. And one is 
Matt, I believe. He gets maybe all of three lines. Ever. Ever. And then one is... Mike Chang! Mike Chang. You guys are so excited about this. I, uh, all I know is he had the best dance moves of the football team, so... Yeah! Mike Chang! He's one of the least problematic characters in this cast. And Hannah, I have a question. I have a, a pitch to you. Okay. Live action remake of Big Hero 6, Harry Shem <gasps> Jr. Chang as Tadashi. Yes! Okay, so just for our viewers out there, I want everyone to know that I am in love with Tadashi, and I think Harry Shem Jr. would make an amazing Tadashi, 100%. You know, I mean, yeah, you've seen Big Hero 6. Um, yeah, I have a giant poster in our living room. In our living room. <laughs> in the home you guys share together. <laughs> yeah, so I think he'd be a great Tadashi. Uh, so that's the Kurt plot. That's the main plot. I don't really think there's anything more to say. Oh, we'll talk about the fat Terry the Terrorist in a later <laughs> plot. Um, there's the Rachel plot, which is still kind of small. In that she always throws a fit whenever she yes. does. Yeah. I think Artie says each time she storms out of rehearsal, it loses its impact. Honestly, like I keep forgetting that she's a plot because that happens too often for it to actually make me care anymore. Yeah, it's it's old hat by episode four already. Like that's that's what's crazy is that like when does Rachel become Rachel? Like. Is it, honestly, like, is it when, I don't want to spoil it for Alyssa, but, like, that's what I'm looking for, is, like, I want interesting Rachel. Like, this is just, I didn't get what I want, so I'm going to go do something else. And it's really annoying. There are times where I get, like, she is the most talented singer, but, like, this is just, okay, we're going to practice this number, and we're going to give it to Tina. And she's like, no, I should get it. And she, like, quits and joins the musical cabaret by singing a Celine Dion song. And it's also not consistent because last episode she was just like rah rah teamwork and now she's not teamwork because she's not the star. Like I guess it's not inconsistent. It's just like like what's the purpose? How did Sandy get fired in Sandy got fired because Rachel saw him groping a boy. See, that's what that's I thought. She's the one. fired, and he's the head of the musical. And Why so, would she do that? Exactly. Not consistent. Oh, that's inconsistent. The school can barely have enough kids and money for a glee club. How are they going to fund cabaret if they have one cast member? Right. And also, okay, Rachel would for sure do cabaret as a one woman show. We all know that. But the other thing is, like, they have a fucking dance studio with ballet bars, which are really expensive. Like, how do they have a dance studio when they can barely afford anything else? Like, what is happening in this school? And this was a scene where we talked about how all the adults are terrible. And so, like, Rachel is like, this is all I have. What are you doing for me? I'm still the bottom of the totem pole. Like, Glee Club is where I should be able to shine. And it's this very understandable, like, 16-year-old outlook in that it's very selfish, but understandable. But, like, there's a million things Will could say as an adult that would help her realize, like, teamwork is not all about you while still validating her. But, like, what does he even say? that it, like You're basically reprimanding her for being selfish, for being yeah. a 16-year-old with a lot of talent. He's Yeah, he's like, I'm your only fan, yeah. Yeah. And it's like... 
This is not what he could have said that would have worked. Like, he could have had an adult conversation, but fatherhood, as I forgot, according to Glee rules, is only between a man and his son. They don't father, right. you don't father a woman. Um, so he doesn't know what to say to her to help her. And we've already discussed that none of the adults are actually adults anyway, so... Yeah, and I think, like, what you, yeah, you quoted Rachel being like, what are you doing for me? It's kind of like, at the show writers, what are you doing for these kids? Like, you're just focusing on these stupid adults. Yeah, which leads into, okay, first I want to just want to say that Tina sang a great version of Tonight. Also moving on to Sue's plotline, sort of. She's on the local news. She's on the local <laughs> news, and they say cheerleaders are in show choir, so if you don't win then you lose your spot where you get to tell people to, like, bring back caning. And uh, and also she's pro-littering. Pro-littering. And she's like, hey, how's that homelessness working out for you? She's, she's got some real doozies this episode. <laughs> My namesake has, has definitely disappointed me. Are you not pro-littering, Anna? I am not pro-littering. I am not pro-screaming at homeless people. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not pro those bad things. What kind of social justice warrior are you? I know. Maybe I'm denigrating my own last name. Sue's plot is she doesn't want to lose her offensive show, so she goes to Sandy's house where he has all these dolls that he has tea time with, and she does have a great line where she's like, well, this is completely healthy and normal. <laughs> he is so weird. So weird, and... He seemed like a character that was going to be like, oh, this one-off character. And I'm like, he's in every episode. Yeah, like, I thought they were just going to get rid of him when he got fired for being a pedophile. Same. That's exactly what I thought. I didn't remember him being in the show more than that. Yeah, yeah. so she brings him on by boy boycotting, blackmailing Figgins, the principal, with footage of him from an old airplane commercial. And... Then, so he's like, yep, we'll bring the pedophile back. Which, this is another one of those moments where I was like, what are these adults? Why are they called adults? Like, at least the principal was somewhat okay until this moment. And then I was like, you are really just way more worried about your vanity at this point. Like, you're bringing a pedophile back into your school because you're worried that this YouTube is going to be on... Wait. <laughs> This YouTube is going to be on video. Yep. <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, you guys are right. Like, it, there's a lot, there's been already a lot of blackmail in this show. Like, season, like, episode one, Mr. Shu blackmailed Finn by planting fake drugs and, like, this blackmail and Terry's blackmail. So it's like all of this, this crazy adulthood. It's like someone has to be the moral warrior in this show so that the kids' drama is actually as heightened as it should be. Because, like, the only heightened drama is really the adult drama because they're not acting like adults. But, like, the kids' stuff, it's stuff that, like, I can understand because that's, like, the most important thing to them right now. But it's supposed to be wacky, but it's not. Sue does have that great line where I always love her roast of Will's hair because she's roasting all the teachers and how they're losers. <laughs> she's, she's like, I could end up having to go get my hair permed once a week. 
So that ties us into the big love triangle, our last big thing to talk about. So Alyssa, when we first said, do you want to be on our Glee podcast? She's like, all I remember is this close-up of this cheerleader being like, I'm pregnant. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, this is it. This is the moment. She nailed it. She nailed it. Um, and then she's, Finn's like, well, we haven't had sex. And he's like, she's like, we were making out in the hot tub. And there's a great callback to how he tries to cool off by remembering. Think of the mail. Think of the mail. <laughs> Hitting the mailman in his car. Uh, it doesn't work. And he comes in the hot tub. And she says that that made her pregnant. And he's like, he had her bathing suits on. And I remember seeing this. I was like doing homework or something and seeing my mom watching this and like seeing that scene and being like, I didn't know you could get pregnant from a hot tub. I think the other great part of that is also she's like, Ask Jeeves said this as if like Ask Jeeves was a thing back then. I totally forgot. I just, sometimes there are shows where there's supposed to be this dumb teenage male and then I'm as dumb as they are at least now I don't I know that's not how pregnancy works but at the time I was like oh yeah like I was as dumb as Finn I didn't know you could check books out of the library though so I did know that <laughs> on him oh my god that went that went over the line for his naivete <laughs> there was also a scene in there's a Riverdale plot where everyone's like, this guy's totally not a secret agent, but I bought that he was a secret agent the whole time that he wasn't. And I'm like, I'm as dumb as Archie because I trusted this. <laughs> I trusted the random guy that showed up was part of the FBI. Yep, I, I just believe what they tell me. I, on the other hand, remember watching that scene and being like, no, Finn, how can you believe that? Like, that's not how that works. I can't believe that you really believe that. And he was so heartbroken about it. He sobbed into Will's arms and he really believed it. It was like, I was just like, you poor child. You're just not very smart, but I feel for you. Yeah, I feel bad because like, yeah, he's kind of dumb as a doornail. But also like, you're right. He, he definitely believes it and he feels really scared. And like that moment when like, Okay, so Mr. Shu was definitely like lingering his shoulder, his hands on Tina's shoulders a little too long. So then, like, the embrace of Finn wasn't that bad, I guess. But, like, it definitely made me really sad and scared for Finn, even though I know what's going to happen. Yeah, it, it, still, it still resonated because he didn't want to be stuck in his town. And neither did Quinn. And they, it's like how trapped they both felt. But that ties into the fact that. Puck, who is allegedly Finn's best friend, which I don't understand. I know opposites attract, but Finn is, like, pretty nice. Um, and Puck is just the worst. He's, like, sexist, racist, homophobic, sleeps with moms of other kids. He has a nipple ring. And it turns out that he got Quinn drunk on wine coolers and slept with her, which... If she's drunk, that's not consensual. Um, I just want to point out, we can just add that as another checkbox into why Puck is the worst. She, But she is like, you're a loser, and I want Finn to be the father, which you're supposed to be like, oh, poor Puck. He feels like a loser, but I'm like, I mean, you're garbage. Uh, and Finn is like, here's the blanket that he used to carry around for my dad. 
And it's like, it's so sweet. It's not actually helpful to this pregnant girl, but it's sweet and it explains why she's like, oh, I want Finn to be the father of my baby. I wish if I was pregnant that it was Finn. So I'm just gonna pretend it is. She's like a parallel to Terry, except she's like 16 and scared and alone. So it's a little more sympathetic. Yeah, I mean, no one here is going to argue that Terry is sympathetic. <laughs> but, yeah, no, like, I totally forgot that that's even how Quinn and Puck got together, was that he basically took advantage of her, not only just, like, by being drunk, but, like, knowing that she was, like, in a bad spot that day. She's like, I felt fat that day. Yeah, he's just ultra, ultra gross. Can we talk for a second about, you mentioned um, that Quinn is a parallel for Terry. Terry the terrorist. She is a literal psycho. She ends up waiting in Quinn's car to talk to her about pregnancy so she can, as we were discussing while watching the episode, take Quinn's firstborn child like a fairy tale supervillain. Yeah. She is the worst. Like, she's taking advantage of not only her husband, but also this 16-year-old girl who's really scared. And all because she wants to save her already broken marriage. It's really gross. Also, I think this is a good time to make a PSA to listeners. And uh, always check your vehicle when you get in. Check the backseat. Check the passenger side. Make sure there's no crazy people in your car when you get in. When you're running through the rain sobbing. Um, yeah, stop no- your sadness for just one second and save your own life. From Terry the terrorist. <laughs> She's you a fucking know, You never know if Terry will be in your car. Exactly. Ah. Ter- it's terrifying. <laughs> Nailed it. Ah. I hate myself. <laughs> anyway. So that's Prager's that introduces that big storyline and it's it's that triangle set up, it's not resolved, but there is a nice triumphant feeling because they win the football game, but it does end on Quinn alone and crying. Technically she's not alone, she's with child. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I mean I guess that's true. She's never really alone. Um yeah, Terry's the worst and will continue to be the worst. And uh, yeah, I hate her sister. Her sister makes my skin crawl because she's literally a baby in a woman's body. And she's like, as if Terry wasn't bad enough, Kendra's giving Terry all these really bad ideas. Because, like, wait a second. So Kendra didn't know that Quinn was pregnant. So was Kendra's idea to, like, kidnap a baby? Or was she like, oh, we should find someone who's going to be having a baby soon? No, she literally said, we need to find you a baby. Yeah, but, like, was she planning on being like, let's kidnap a baby? Or was she going to be like, it's just Kendra's way of being like, we should find some, we should find a Juno. I don't know. Kendra also said that marriages are built on lies. Yeah, it's the food that they thrive on. Yes, her great advice about marriage. Yeah, coming from a broken family, let me just tell you, that's a lie. Kendra, sprouting them lies again. The kids are dealing with some, like, really real problems. 
as are the adults, sort of. But, like, their solutions are so fucking bananas that I'm like, none of this makes sense. No, but the the kid, the stuff with the kids makes sense in its world. Some of the yes. stuff with the adults is heightened. Like, I, the Sue stuff, she's a cartoon, so her world makes sense. You don't like Will because he's too much of, like, he's painted as good, but he's not. Right. And, no, he's not. And Terry is just so awful. So I think that I think that's what's really dragging the show down right now. God, I can't wait till she's gone. Till she gets hit by a rock. <laughs> so it's time for our, our closing thoughts, including uh, best song. This was a rough week for singing. There was not a lot of singing in both these episodes. I already know what my favorite song was. It was Vocal Adrenaline singing whatever song they sung at Acapellas. Oh, was it not the rehab was last week? What was this? It, one? Fuck. It was. Wait, I'll think of it. I'll think of it. Let's do. Let's go to us while you look that up. What's your What's your top musical pick? Um, Mercedes song. Bust your windows. Yeah, bust your windows on my car. Out your car. <laughs> your car. <laughs> he can't say that song right. Bust your windows through your car. <laughs> no, she was she was awesome. I like that. They sang Mercy. I'm gonna go with Taking Chances. It was short, but it was powerful. No, no, I'm not. I'm not giving Rachel that. I'm going tonight. <laughs> tonight. I'm going tonight. Yeah, Protina. That was not like yeah. She messed with the final note, but like. That was rehearsal. That's why you have rehearsal. She has a Tony. IRL. Um, least favorite song. Poison. Yeah, or poison. Sex me up. Oh, sex you up is worse than poison. Yeah, it's way worse because Sandy's in it. Yeah. Um, and people are just swinging their head. I can't. Mm-mm. That's the PTA meeting. Oh, yeah. That's the PTA meeting where Puck is like, I'm going to get me some mamas. And we're like, fuck you. Yeah, I forgot that that whole concert was set, like, oh, we need a performance for the PTA meeting, which I've never heard of happening. No. And Puck is, like, crust-thrusting, crotch-thrusting <laughs> at, like, moms, and they're like, Ooh, we're into this. And I'm like... They're melting in their seats. No. 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 I think we all agree. <laughs> Sex you up is the word. Yep. Um... And then, uh, I don't even know. Okay. Can you do, like, MVPs, like, best character? Uh, so, least valuable character. Terry won last week. Are we having a rule where the same character can't win twice in a row? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You guys go first. I'm going with Puck. Puck can suck it. He's the worst. He says he's a, a hot commodity or a stud, but that mohawk begs to differ. And his personality <laughs> begs to differ. Like, I know teenage teenagers can think random things and gross people are hot, but I call I call that most girls would just be like, this, no. No, I can't deal with the mohawk, the nipple ring, and your literal garbage soul. Like, no Honestly, if he wasn't a garbage human being, like... I don't know. 
people fall for crazy people and all the time. Yeah, like he's like he's he's like hot enough like for me to buy that he's a stud, but he's just yeah. Like there's no like redeeming qualities to him. You yeah, know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Puck, LVP, <laughs> the Lima loser. Lima loser. So I'm gonna go with the principal on this one. Ooh, hot take. Um, because I know his part is literally like maybe a minute long, but he buckles under pressure from Sue because he doesn't want that stupid commercial on YouTube. Uh, so what if your kids won't respect you anymore? At least they'll be safe from pedophiles. He's not, I really just really didn't like him in that moment. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay, MVP. I'm going to go with Kurt. I was going to say Kurt, too. Yeah. Kurt deserves it. He came out to his dad, and he came out to Mercedes. He had a hard week. Yeah, his storyline is just so great. He lost. He his car window got busted, <laughs> and he joined. He had to join the football team because his friends are terrible liars, and he still won the game-winning goal, even though that like goal. Sorry, what? Field goal. Okay. Field goal, whatever. And he he was good at it, even though it's like they definitely played up that like, oh, he doesn't belong here, but like. He did. He won the game, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was great. He he did a great thing for the football team. And also, like, in Acafellas, he actually totally handled the Mercedes thing pretty well. Like, he didn't, like, freak out because she did that. He was like, it's okay. My dad took it away anyhow. And it's okay. We can still be friends. I still love you. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Kurt. Woo, Kurt. Well done. So we did it. Episode two. Gleeboot is hosted by Cullen, Alyssa, and Hannah. All of our social media is handled by Hannah, and this episode was edited by me, Alyssa. Thanks for listening.